I just, again, didn't want to be broke. So four years ago, I started piecing off one to three properties a year to have some money in my bank. So I felt like I just wanted to have, I wanted to be kind of strong on all fronts. I wanted to have a building that was, you know, a couple of buildings that were strong. You know, I think I'm at 92 units at the moment. Uh, I wanted to keep those. I think I want to get to 85. I think the number in my mind was. So I keep those, keep those running, have some cash in the bank and then, and just be free of everything. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 31. With your host, Matt. And Kellen. In the On Fire Podcast, we discuss financial independence, real estate investing, frugality, minimalism, and retiring early. And now that we're back releasing regular content, if you guys are enjoying this content, what we need from you is a five-star rating and a written review. Really appreciate that. And again, we're happy to be back. Mike Van Hout is a serial entrepreneur in every sense of the word. From real estate investing and apartment buildings to his YouTube channel where he does car reviews, Mike is always keeping busy and he's one of those guys that sees success in all different types of ventures. Yeah, it's been so much fun seeing Mike evolve as an entrepreneur. He's always dabbling and got half a dozen businesses on the go, but to see him essentially leave his nine to five and focus really on just becoming the serial entrepreneur he was born to be is really exciting. And if you guys stick around to the end, he's got a really interesting surprise announcement of a new business that he's going to be launching. But enough chatting, let's dive into the interview. This episode is sponsored by the Findlay Mortgage Team. The Findlay Team was born out of the idea that through exceptional service and expert advice, they can create a world of more accessible capital for their clients. As real estate capital advisors, their mission is to assist investors in strategically scaling their portfolios. They understand the struggle that investors face and how difficult it can be to scale once the banks say no. Their experts find alternative solutions by leveraging institutional and private capital stacks, strong networks, and competitive products, allowing them to offer an industry-leading service that is unparalleled in the Canadian real estate market. So we've got Mike Van Hout on the show. He's another good friend of ours who can only be described as an entrepreneur. Mike is a real estate investor who's owned everything from duplexes to commercial spaces and large apartment buildings. He's a YouTuber currently focused on car views. He's got 28,000 subscribers, multiple videos currently approaching a million views after being released only two weeks ago, and countless of other entrepreneurial adventures that we'll be diving into during this episode. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, boys. Excited. Awesome. Excited. I'm excited to have you on the show too, Mike. Uh, we'll dive more into this later, but we'd love to just hear the Coles notes of the last year for you. Oh man. So I quit my job December. So I had a full-time job. I was of the mindset of have a job and then everything else kind of hustle to make your life great, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I loved my job, but what I was doing, but I quit December and January started off. My, my goal in my mind was for 2020 to just basically take a month to take my son for a week every month. And that worked out for the first three months until COVID really take, took over our lives. And then I pivoted and I decided, you know what, I'm going to put all my focus on making this work, right? Like everybody got scared, right? Remember March, like March 15th, that was like the world ended, right? Yeah. And everybody gets scared. And uh, yeah, man. So I just kind of jumped in and figured out how to, how to, it's new. It's new. It's for anybody that knows me, I jump topics like crazy. So if you can't follow along, <laughs> um, I, 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 you know what, I, I kind of had to, I kind of start from scratch because I was always of the type that I had that safety net of having a job, right? Like I worked at Audi, I sold cars. I consistently made between 90 and 130. I couldn't make more than 130. No matter what I did, how much I sold, I just could not make more than 130, which was great money. But I was like, I was at the top of my game, you know, and that's all I knew. But I had like all these rentals that I bought because you need, you know, you need T4s and all that stuff, right? So I bought rentals. But I couldn't break. It was like this, like, I don't know if you guys have ever, Kellen, you probably feel this, man, and Matt, to a certain mm-hmm. degree. You feel like you have these chains, even though you've left. 
it's still like you have these freaking chains, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like after, after leaving the day job, you feel like you got the chains. Yeah, man. Like I was like, I was, it just, I felt like it was like psychologically in the morning I had to get up and, and I felt like this drive, like, dude, I I mean, remember I've been working for Audi since I was 21 and it was like 22 and I'm 37 or 38. And so it's like 16 years of selling cars, right. In the same brand. And it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. I like the mind repetitiveness and, and Matt, you're, you obviously know this stuff, but there's a time frame where it becomes routine. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that there's a day, right. What's the, what's the days that you do things where you become routine. Yeah. Well, like what was the, what was the thought process? Like when you were, you, you were working at the day job, you were like, okay, you've built up. I mean, you built up more than a significant amount of real estate on the side. Like you could have quit years ago, more than likely, but sure. you, you know, you kept at it for a bit. What was kind of the thought process? Like, you know, now's the time. What kind of made you feel like it was, you were ready? Uh, you know, man, it's, it's being comfortable. And like most of us get comfortable in what you do. Right. So I was comfortable in selling cars. It was an easy gig. I got, a, I always had a nice car. So I'd always kind of, uh, and then the people, right. You meet the people. So it's the engagement, the feel of it. It's close to the house. It's a cushy job. It's easy. But then at some mm-hmm. point you start thinking back how many weeks of your life you have left, <laughs> which is obviously yeah. a lot, but you look at that and you think, man, like I cannot just sit here. This is just crazy. And I felt like my drive was enough that even after the fact, and even when I was sitting at Audi selling cars, I, half my job there was my, my, my real business. And then the other half was selling cars. When somebody walked in, I would help them. But it was just this underlining like craziness. And, and really the core of, I, I, had to pick, I had to pick something to say, you know what, this is the time. So the real, actually, the reality is, is one of my, you guys know it, one of my stable buildings was two of them actually were coming up for renewal. And I bought them seven years ago and I had a plan to kind of, pay them down. But obviously the markets have freaking exploded. And I, I just, I just needed to refi them, you know, and that was my plan. My overall plan was to have these two buildings refied pull. I didn't want to take like 90%. I wanted to keep it at 75 points. And then all my other properties, either sell the stuff I did not want or to deal with and, and or, and then keep a, a bit. Right. So I had, I was kind of like, I was trying to think this morning about how to explain it, but it's kind of flippy floppy. So I was like, I was like heavy on paying certain things off and then not heavy on refinancing these two buildings. And that was happening. That was happening at the end of 2020. That was, it was like September, but then you realize these things take forever, right? You know, to refi them. Yeah. So basically I refied them. I got the, finally got the money out in March when the things went like sideways and, and I got a rate of, I think I told you boys already, but it was like 1.97% on, on, <sighs> on a total of 6 million bucks. And I kept, I kept two and a half of it. Yeah. So, beautiful. And like, you know what, I think something not enough, not enough people mention is like, you know, when they're trying to decide, okay, I'm ready to quit the job and they're trying to figure out when, I think for a lot of us, it's that when we're done learning, right? And like Matt's used the example before of like, even just grocery shopping, right? I remember you used the phrase, like, I have nothing left to learn from this experience. <laughs> so completely true. So like after 16 years or whatever it was of working at a car dealership, you probably don't have anything left to learn, right? So it's like, I know this shit, I'm making money, great. But like, I want to learn, I want to go out and try new things and experience new things. So I imagine that was probably a big part of it too, right? Yeah. And most of us go on vacation, right? Like that's our thing. We go on vacation. So, I mean, we went, even when I was at Audi, went on four vacations a year. I mean, there was no dollar amount of what I wouldn't spend to go on vacations to have a good time to to exchange that experience for for doing it, you know? But then this is what happened. I started looking at other industries that were in their top 5% or 3% or whatever. And I was always, there's about 1,600 Audi people in total in Canada. And I was constantly in the top 30, constantly. I was never, I was sometimes in the top 50, but I was pretty much always in the top 30 in all Canada. Obviously, the Toronto Vancouver markets were pretty heavy, but but I could only make 130 grand, man. And I was looking to real estate agents and the bottom freaking 30% make 
I wouldn't say, you know, maybe that's a bit extra exaggerating. <laughs> the, top, the top, I would say like the top 5% of all real estate agents in Canada, you know what they make. And it's, it's all seven figures, man. And some of them freaking make eight figures, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, and, I, and I was like, and I'm thinking, man, what the hell am I wasting my time here? You know, why am I doing that? And, and there's only so many connects I could get from clients. You know, I mean, when you start in the big car business, it's the, the, the psychology is great because you have somebody at any experience level walk into you, into your life. And then basically just want information from you, which is the opposite of what always happens when we want something from somebody above us. Right. You know what I mean? Whether it be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, like a whatever wealth manager, whatever game that they're doing, it's impossible to get real fundamental data from them unless they're getting money or they're getting something close to money. Right. You know, but for me, it was like, they were coming to me and they wanted all this information for what car they should get next. So I kind of dug deep into them, which was a cool experience to have. But at some point, man, you know, years go by and then those people just know you as a car salesman, you know, and I just kind of wanted more than that. And even if I did tell them I have rentals, I have rentals, they don't really absorb it. You know, it didn't really have that pull when, when I went to like experiences like with you guys, right? When I went you guys, it was like, man, it was like sick. Mike's got this, check it out. That's awesome. And I'm like, these guys freaking love it. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's fun when you can be around people who are excited about what you're doing and they're not just like confused about what, like, like, what does that guy do? I don't get it. It's fun when you can like, yeah, be excited with people and people can encourage you. But like, so when you, when you left the job, obviously it was a big part of your personal identity. Like, what was that process like? I mean, I'm sure it's probably still part of it, right? Like the YouTube channel that you're doing has, is related to cars. So, I mean, you still have a big part of that personal identity available, but like, what was, what was that like kind of walking away from that big chunk of, you know, who you are in a big way? So so like what I, so I have, obviously you guys know, I have a whole bunch of commercial properties and one of them is I have a roofing, I have 4,000 square feet of roofing stuff. And I just didn't need that much space. So my thought before I left was, you know what, I have to take these 1600 clients that I have in London here and, or 17 or whatever it is. And I had to take them and I wanted to still keep in touch with them because I just like them as people, right? You know, they become friends, right? I mean, like clients become friends, right? So I submitted to Ombic, which is like the place to, you know, in order to sell cars in Ontario, you have to have this Ombic license. So I wanted to start one of two things, either a super high-end car dealership or the secondary was an all electric car dealership, which I still kind of have some, some pieces there in London because there's nothing like it. There's no super high-end car dealership in London besides Porsche. And there's no, uh, there's no electric car dealership even till today. Right. So that was my game in December to kind of thing. So I quit in, I quit December 1st. I actually quit in November, but I didn't want to just leave them hanging. We can get into why I quit at another date, but essentially that was the two things I want to do. Just basically start a dealership. So I, I did, I, I set up the space. I made it pretty. I mean, you guys go online, you can see it. It's, it's a, it's a good space, but I wanted to do that. And then what happened was I just realized, man, I'm like, I'm like, the roofing was good. And it was like kind of Christmassy. So I was like, I was like, I wanted to spend time with my son. And then I thought, man, this, I'm just going to continue doing this YouTube stuff because it was paying at the time, probably around, I think I had a conversation with, at, with Matt at John Kepler's house. And I was like, man, like, this is how it's going. I think Matt, you remember that conversation, you know? Yep. And I think at the time I was making like 400 bucks or three, 400 bucks a month. And I thought I was like, man, that's amazing. I'm just going to keep camera this thing. I got the space. I'm going to try to do it. And I think we launched our first video in the sh- in that space in like March, uh, March, April, kind of when COVID hit because we had time. And then, and then obviously the numbers have kind of skyrocketed to like, we're at like almost 8,000 bucks a month Canadian right now, which is, wow, that's great. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, obviously certain videos, like you mentioned in the introduction, certain videos are obviously killing it. And certain videos, even though we spent so much time and, and Matt can attest this, you put so much effort into one video and it gets like a thousand views and you're like, what? 
That's the way it works. It seems for YouTubers, right? Like the ones that they don't expect to pop are the ones that do. It's just the nature of things. The YouTube algorithm, the almighty algorithm. Man, and I just, you know what? I saw it today. I saw Graham Stephan launch the video with the Strad Man, and I'm like, man, that's yeah. what I want to do. I'm like, God damn it, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the good news, Mike, is the Strad Man seems to be in contact with a bunch of YouTubers we know. So yeah. I imagine that's in the future for you. Yeah, hopefully, man. Fingers well, you know, you know Chandler David Smith, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we all went to Vegas together and yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll have to reach so, out. Do you mind kind of painting a full picture for us, Mike? What retirement or not having a nine to five looks like for you? Because I know you touched upon you've sold some properties, refinanced a property, don't have the nine to five, but like you still have a lot on the go. Yeah, I actually have a at the end of this, if, if people stick around uh, at the end, I'm, I have a secret reveal for you boys. So even for Ooh, you guys, it's you getting guys revealed it. here. It's getting revealed <laughs> right here. <laughs> Not even on my YouTube channel, plug, plug, but it's getting <sighs> right freaking here. But yeah, you know what? In terms of how it looks, it's just keeping the mind. I think, man, like you always seem to get it right in terms of understanding where you want to put your efforts, right? And what a job feels like. So it feels job-like or any sort of control-like or somebody you know, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a combination of if somebody treats you poorly, you're like, listen, buddy, I don't need this, whatever you just like degrading information you're throwing at me, along with like, if I have the flexibility of picking up my son, or I, I want to go do something, right? I want to go with you guys, and you want to go somewhere tomorrow, well, let's go, right? So it's that all that flexibility with the nine to five, you can't. And it's like the mind crush, right? I think that's the thing that you boys do very well, and you don't get mind crushed, right? You know, which, which is like, a it's like, a I don't know, like, it's like a how do you tell me? I mean, you can explain it really well, but it, it's you, you have freedom, right? You have freedom of, of finding that. So my days are still crazy. Even they're, they're crazier now and they're busier now than they were when I worked at, at Audi. I mean, when, I, when you work 45 hours a week and then you have 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week after that doing other businesses, that's crazy. But it's crazier now because my mind is, is like, you can't stop me. Like you, nobody, yeah. right now, man, nobody can stop me. Like nothing's coming in my way. And I'd never had that confidence or power before other people thought that of me. And I felt it when people were kind of talking to me and stuff like that, but I never really felt it because I didn't, I didn't have it. You know what I mean? It just, it only comes to you when you have that, that door opening. Right. So. Yeah. It's, I know exactly what you're talking about, Mike. I feel like this year slash the start of next year, I'm really going to be stepping into that. And certainly you were a guy I already held in that regard, but it's obvious that this year you realized it too. And it's really exciting. Um, and I can't wait to see where that trajectory leads you, but there's something really powerful about that light bulb moment of the way I think of it is all of a sudden I'm looking around the room, realizing there's no adults, there's no hall monitor. I literally can just run as fast as I want and no one's going to stop me. Yeah. That's, that's dude. That's the truth. man. There's and it's, oh, it's just like, and also the time, like sometimes the, I think the baby, for me, the babysitting piece has really kind of separated from where I'm at. I used to babysit things more and I was okay with doing that. And I felt like, and I partly, because when you're in retail, you're just kind of putting up people's shit to a certain degree to get them to where you want them to go. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I don't put up people's shit at all as much <laughs> to get them to where they want to go. I just say, look, man. I was like, I get, this is where I want to talk about. And this is where we want to get to. And you meet me here. I'm not going to get you here anymore. I'm not holding your hand, you know? And, and sometimes you have to do that. Cause otherwise, man, like I'm getting old dealing with babies. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but <laughs> yeah. 
right? You know? Well, and it's and it's fun when like the stuff you're doing attracts other people who feel similarly, right? Because then you get to surround yourself with people who know that there's no ceiling to what we do and that you like a lot of people who want to have a lot of control over their lives, you know, like that it's, it's nice to, it's nice to have that freedom. And I think that a lot of people don't get to that point until they reach financial independence in some fashion, right? Hey, look, I know that I can, you know, I can not make any money at the car dealership and I'd be okay. Or I don't need to make any money on YouTube and it's fine. Like that really is a freeing thing. It allows you to, gives you time to think and it gives you opportunity to take riskier ventures. You know, Matt talked about the idea of firepreneurship, which I don't think he's used the word a lot enough recently, but yeah. you know, I love the concept of, you know, having a foundation to fall back upon so you can take riskier ventures. Yeah. And and keeping lifestyle, like I mean, you know, guys use that lifestyle inflation or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm probably not the best person to pick on that, but I I, I think I wanna maybe dip on it a little bit and uh, my lifestyle. So when I do buy fancy, expensive stuff, it's marketing for me. It's marketing. It doesn't seem that way, but I look at it as marketing because it's a brand, right? You're building a brand, and and a car is an example. Obviously, I don't pay full price for them, so whatever I get has value. And even if I have to lose fifteen or twenty or thirty or whatever a year, as long as I felt like that value was brought back to me, then the car is free, right? You know. Okay, so you know, in terms of, you know, your vehicle being a part of your marketing and that kind of thing. So I drive a 2010 Hyundai Accent. It's got a manual transmission and I like to buy apartment buildings. That's kind of my goal right now. So if I, if I pull up to the owner of an apartment building, I want to buy it off them. And I pull in with my Hyundai Accent versus pulling in in a 2020 Audi or BMW. What do you think the difference in that conversation might be? Uh, It depends on the demographic you're talking to. I think that's the big one, right? I think that if you're talking to people your age, so that's the problem. It's like nobody your age is going to have an apartment building to sell. That's the problem. Unless they're trying to pull <laughs> yeah. that. So you're generally talking to really old dudes and, and old dudes, you know what, man, it's a tough, really tough thing to answer in today's. I could answer that for you five years ago. And I would say the Audi guy or the BMW guy feels like, at least I felt that I was like, that's the problem. When you're young, you get no respect, right? That's why most mm-hmm. kids don't get into selling stocks, right? Or don't get into selling real estate, you know? They try, but they don't always succeed because they just get no no respect from some old dude that's been in the market for 30 years, right? Who feel like they'd be better represented. But I think that, yeah, getting getting anything real estate really right now is impossible, man. For a deal, right? I mean, are they all possible? people keep in their pocket and, and keep it themselves? But I think you just have to be who you are, right? Like if cars are not your thing, man. So you can't be like, I'm be like, well, this is what I drive, and maybe hopefully nobody judges me. Well, it'll be like, look, man. <laughs> Right. I've just gotten funny looks, man. I've gotten funny looks. Like I call people and they're like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, he got, he owns 52 units. He wants to buy my building. I come out and they're like, oh, I didn't expect you to pull up in in an old beater like this. (laughs) And it's like, well, I invest, like I don't spend my money on stuff like that. It helps you with the coaching piece, right? Where people can see, man, you don't have to be, you don't have to show like, I, I don't know, man. I think that the days of, of like materialistic items and maybe Matt can jump in on this as well. But I think that the days of Full out materialistic ice, materialistic items are are moving away. I think. I think. I think that. I think that people because their phones are in their pocket all the time. They're for sure they're seeing Instagram and all that stuff. But I think that like I don't know. It's hard because it really depends. Like- it, yeah, and it depends on the type of people you're trying to attract. So I think that there's definitely like there are niches out there, and you know maybe you're trying to attract people who are numbers oriented, like the accountant types or the computer science types or whatever, and then. And then there's the people who uh, are really into, you know, cars and watches and whatever. And I mean, there's, I mean, all of these people are capable of investing, but uh, they're going to be attracted by different things. So depending yeah. on how you present yourself, you're going to just attract the different 
a different type of person. Yeah, and and but also, you know what? And also, the game has moved upward. You see, like before, like a Lambo was like the thing, or like a Ferrari was yeah. the thing. But now there's hypercars that are one step above that, which are Bugattis, and and you know, it's just a, the it's just that's moved, like that's shifted. It's moved up yeah. one scale upward. Where now you're talking million dollar cars are, are like baller. So you're like, okay, man, I'm out of this game here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think building upon what your point there, Mike, with material possessions is especially on social media, if you're trying to carve out the flex niche, there's such a race to the top now that there's always going to be someone that's going to be able to outspend you, outflex yeah. you. And yeah. so if that's the only way you're building a relationship with your audience, I think you're going to be extremely fragile, very susceptible to others eating your lunch. How about Dan Bilzerian, right? Like, Mike, did you follow his situation yeah. recently at all? Or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I for sure. But man, you know what, dude, I can tell you, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys. And I can tell you that growing up and, and I was always kind of in the entrepreneur game and kind of mingling with all types of things, you know, and I've mm-hmm. seen many, many, many guys that have, that have flexed crazy. And like, yeah. everybody's like, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the halo guy, right. For a period of time or girl, whatever. And, and then it, it they, they, they vanish five years later, they're gone. So whenever I see these guys roll up and I'm like, okay, these guys are killing it. I'm like, well, I'll see you in five years, man, because you go away. flash in the pan. Yeah. It's yeah it, exactly it is hard to tell though. Like I've been at some social media influencer events. There's one in Miami I'm thinking of in particular where like I met a whole group of influencers. They sell expensive coaching packages. They talk the talk at the table and then you know, a year or two later, I've seen them being exposed on Baller Busters or CoffeeZilla. And it's just fascinating. I think that that feedback loop of if you're flexing outside of your lifestyle, like you're faking it until you make it, I think you're going to get caught a lot faster in the future. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think people are getting smarter with the internet. There's still people that have no idea how the internet yeah. works. I mean, there's those and the people that know it very well. And then the kind of people in the middle that are trying to figure it out. But maybe we'll take a jump to sort of diverse diversification because I think that's kind of well. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you, like, especially in the current like environment with COVID and stuff like that. What are you like? What are your thoughts towards what people should be investing in or what they should be spending their time on? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, interesting point or interesting question. I think one of the pieces that I've kind of pivoted to is Matt. You obviously know, and, and Kellen as well. I've been selling stuff in the last. I just again didn't want to be broke, so. Four years ago, I started piecing off one to three properties a year to have some money in my bank. So I felt like I just wanted to have, I wanted to be kind of strong on all fronts. I wanted to have a building that was, you know, a couple of buildings that were strong. You know, I think I'm at 92 units at the moment. Uh, I wanted to keep those. I think I want to get to 85. I think the number in my mind was. So I keep those, keep those running, have some cash in the bank and then, and just be free of everything. Right. So that's where I'm at right now. So I still want to stay in real estate because as much as I'm like, oh man, I forget real estate. So because I have the other businesses. So the roofing is still good. Like it's really, this year was a crazy good year, but all the peripheral real estate stuff is what I'm after. I'm not after like units and that stuff anymore. Now it's about everything else. So like Kellen, you buy a unit, you need a roof. Well, you're going to call me or at least give me an opportunity. Right. You know? Yeah. And like, I think like Matt and I were talking about this a little before the podcast, you know, just the idea that you know, you're like, you're selling off some things so that you have some cash, but like at the end of the day, we don't want to just hang on to a bunch of cash for years, right? We want to make sure our money's invested in something. So yes. it makes sense that you want to hang on to some of your real estate because you don't want to sell it off and have millions of dollars sitting in the bank account as cash because in the current environment, cash isn't a great thing to hold a ton of for a really long time because it's going to lose its value. It's yeah. good to have some available if opportunities present themselves. Yeah. I, I, that's ex- and, and it's where, like, 
it, it is, a, it is a tougher thing. And, and now I'm in, I'm in groups. I'm sitting in rooms with guys that are in their sixties and seventies that have a shit ton of money and they just don't know where to put it. And deploying the cash is more difficult than leaving in a business. So you'll have this thing where you'll have guys that have uh, money in a business and they kind of, you know, they churn it, right? Like they're doing every month, they go to work, they come back, that stuff. And then they decide, well, they want to sell it. They sell it, they get this big freaking paycheck. And then they're like, okay, what do we do with it now? And that is a tougher gig than actually just going to work every day, you know? But anyways, we'll jump yeah. up again. You know me jumping, right? That's <laughs> Mike jumping steering. <laughs> but yeah, so I kept the buildings. I got a bunch of cash and things. So the, the, the overall picture though is... I just do everything outside of actually owning apartments at the moment. So yeah, there is a flip here and there that uh, I want. I picked up off Amar and then I have my dad as an example to go do stuff with, but I have ancillary guys. So I have 11 roofing guys that work for me and three of them are sort of part-time. So those guys I use for random stuff. So I could get like, I go do a roofing job and then I get like a demo in the basement or whatever. Right. And I simply just make two phone calls and I get guys there to demo it up. So I'm always doing something, even though it's not specifically unit related, I am doing either turnovers, my spot, I'm always doing something. So I always have every day between four and I would say probably between three and four dudes that are doing something where they're doing a roof repair or whatever. And then that's in addition to the roofing company that I have that where we do contracts, right? So if we're doing like a 15,000 square foot building, commercial building, I have between, as I said, seven guys and 11 guys that are on a roof, you know, doing that, doing that. So that's usually like a two week project. So I just kind of look at the future and I'm like in two weeks, I'm going to be out of work or, or a month or whatever. And then I, I fill that, I fill that vacuum cleaner, you know? So for me or for anybody, if they are interested or they cannot get into real, cannot buy a property, right? So an example is like, man, everything's so expensive. I can't buy a house. What do I do? And I think the only advice I can get you is, is, is just to still be in it and touch it. And maybe you don't have to buy a house. Maybe obviously you have to rent or stay with whoever or hack or whatever, but still stay in the game and just get your skills better until that time comes. And don't just because you can't afford it at the moment, don't just be like, hands up, I can't afford it. I'm going to wait till next year. Well, next year brings a whole new set of problems and you'll still be fresh, right? You know, you won't be, you won't be experienced or as experienced or whatever, right? So that's kind of the mindset, I think. Does that kind of answer that question there a little bit? Yeah, no, it does. And I think there's a lot to be said for just taking accountability, right? So like we, you know, everyone's in this environment right now. Yeah, there's a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers. I mean, so what can you do about that? Well, you can take accountability. You can start looking for off-market deals. You can start knocking on doors. You can present yourself to as many potential opportunities as possible so that, hey, maybe you get come across one in the next six months and you're still further ahead than you would be, you would have been if you had just said, ah, it's too expensive. I'm going to wait until there's a crash or something. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know that this is specifically real estate related, but if real estate is not right there for you right now, because you've exhausted all your options, well, maybe practice somewhere else. Cause if you stop practicing, that's the problem, right? So people do give up hope or they lose steam. Well, pivot to business businesses. And that's what I've done quite a bit. I mean, business is a good experience kind of experience gatherer or, or yeah, practicing, right. You practice, if you get if you get businesses, whether it's to buy a business or to be involved in a business or partner up with the business or, or whatever, that at least gets the mind flowing. And I think it's stopping the mind, like right. That's what it is. You got to keep kind of hustling and don't stop. And if real estate, if real estate's a dead roadblock for you at the moment because it just doesn't work or can't fit or you can't afford or whatever, try to do something different, you know. And that's kind of the whole game. But but yeah, man. For but for me, for the money aspect of it, I have pivoted a little bit into private lending as of January. I because I got all this or. I kind of, I got the money in March, but in, in January I started doing a little bit more and kind of investigating that because that was things. So that is a whole, like another show because private lending is, is a whole nother game. It's not just, I found a guy with, who wants money. Here's money. Give me interest. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not that easy, man. It's not, it is easy, easier for sure. 
There's plenty of people who want money, but it's about qualifying them and and making sure that you're, you know, you have a relatively secure investment. When you're talking about large sums of money, you don't want it to just end up going to zero, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just, and, and it, when you see it and you kind of figure it, it's like pretty cool. Like, I mean, once the money's out and you have a, I think the best advice I can give to anybody in this, because I'm learning, right? And I'm in it right now. Like I'm learning knee deep in it. It's the best terminology I can say is line of sight to your money. That is the best thing I can tell you because I, I can tell you, man, I, I've come across so many deals that are like, that are like, man, I'll give you, like, I had, a, I had an opportunity to do a deal at 16%, okay? 16% on two properties blanketed. And it was probably 70 points. That was probably 70, 75 points. The places were almost paid off. And I had 70 points to throw it in. It was 16% for three years. And I'm like, that's amazing, right? I would say that most people would jump in on it, right? Yeah. But it doesn't, it's not always what it looks like because how am I going to get my money? How am I going to get my money back? I What's can the right exit? Yeah. yeah. And I, do I want to be the guy to kick Buddy and his kid out and his, you know, grandkids out? And do I want to be that guy, right? So again, you have to ask yourself kind of, maybe we should start the show off with this, but who, what kind of person do you want to be, right? Like if, if all you want is money and that's what your whole game is. And some people look at me and like, oh, this guy cares about his money, but that's not true. Because if you wanted money, then you would just do, you would just do, I wouldn't say unhumane things, but you would have conscious, you know what your conscious wouldn't be there. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a piece. So I didn't, I didn't take that deal because I felt like I wouldn't get my money back. And I feel like if I would, I would, I would get it back, but I would have to go through, you know, I'd have to go through it right through the process of eviction and then dealing with it in courts and all that stuff. And I'm like, for what for an extra freaking four points, I can, I'm getting, I can get between 10 and 12. I wouldn't say all day, but pretty much like if I'm selective with it, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting like on average, I looked at my numbers, three days ago and I'm getting about 11 and a half points on, on 2 million bucks right now. as mm-hmm. we So it, it's, it's nuts. And what is, what's an extra 3% going to do for me? Nothing. Zilch, you know, cause the government takes half of it anyways. Yeah. And I think that not enough people think about, you know, it's like investors are like, cool, I can just borrow the money and buy that house. But like, that's not how it works. You have to make sure that you're able to get the money back out and pay off the private investor. And you'd think that would be dead obvious, but it's not something a lot of people think about. They're just borrowing money and buying houses with it. it and so it's yeah, pretty important from the it, private it, investors, like from your perspective to make yeah. sure that they, they have a plan. Yeah, We're partnering together, right? Like I'm partnering with you and you are buying this place. So I have to have, I have to know what you're doing. I mean, unless, it, unless for example, it's new builds and then like the first mortgage is on the, on the developer and then the guy's coming in and he's putting a half a million dollar house. He needs 400. He's already got a contract signed. He's got 20 points down. That's a pretty straightforward deal. It, it can it go sideways for sure. Are you going to be stuck with a million dollar home? You know, yeah, right. But I, I would, when you have 20 points down, plus the first guy's holding the, first, the you know, it's a better deal for me in, in the way I want to approach things. But again, like you can kind of pick like profit or, you know, profits or problems or, or you can pick like, I want to pick it super easy, right? And you have to figure out where in that kind of gap you want to be. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to circle back to something you touched upon earlier, Mike, businesses and maybe looking at, you know, starting a business, acquiring a business, things of that nature. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, all your business acumen is self-taught, right? Just kind of hustle and grinding, taking on different challenges. Any recommendations or starting points for someone that, you know, that young, ambitious individual, they're a Mike Van Hout at 21. Where should they start? Like, do you go learn sales, a high income skill? Do you 
just go apprentice for a business owner? Like, how do you actually learn business? Well, one thing that in their, anybody in their 20s has, which is like, which they don't know, but they have it, is ignorance, right? I think ignorance is like a gift that you've been give, given in your 20s. And I think if I was ignorant now, which is possible, like anybody can just turn on the ignorance switch for a couple of years and then, you know, be that guy where people hate, but he's got his own brain kind of focused on it, you know? But in their 20s, they, they're definitely ignorant, right? So they just jump on anything. They don't know if it's going to work or not. They don't even think that. So I think you, the distraction piece, right? Like it's very easy in your 20s to just get to get crushed, right? Because you're like, man, like the Instagram game can crush you because like you said, like there's no amounts of money people will not spend just to be on top, right? You know, to, to fake it, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever, maybe they have it, but, but it, it's the crushing, right? So I would say in your 20s, if you're going to go out there and, and, and figure it out and, and not know where to start, you just kind of have to, I think we've talked about this a million times. You just have to do it and do it, do it something you like. And I get, I'm, I got a message yesterday from, from a guy, same, very, very similar question. Should I do it? I want to, he asks, he says, I want to get a roofing. What do you think I should do? Should I just go out there and just start roofing? I said, yeah, man, obviously, like if you want to start roofing, you've got to go out there and start it. And, and, that's, and that's like the most basic fifth grader stuff to know, right? I mean, Graham said it on his YouTube course, like talking to people like they're in the fifth grade. And and I I don't even know what else to say, but it's like, yeah, man, you got to get off. You you know, you got to get off and you got to do it and you're going to hate it. But I think what a principle, I think Peter actually had it on his one of his posts where he's like, those habits that you create when you're younger or those habits you create, even if you hate it, those habits will take you places when you like it, right? You can't just have, yeah. you can't just have bad bad attitude because you don't like it and then good attitude when you like it I, that's the problem and I'm, I'm really trying to make sure that my son knows that and you know and like yeah you hate it but i still want to see you love it <laughs> or whatever right you know what are some of the things with your son that you're you know you're exposing him to or what are some of the interests that you think he might kind of blossom with it's a raising a child's tough right because you have that balance of kind of being cocky and confident and arrogant as i said but not crush his soul uh, <laughs> right, it, it it is a hard one. And how do you like? I always had conversations with this growing up with with dudes that had lots of money. And I would always say like, man, when I when I get a son, like, or when I get a child, I don't know if it's girl, girl or boy. But how do you make sure that your your child, like, how do you how do you live, like, how do you have a good life, and then tell your kid, like, you know, you got to be cheap and you got to be tight with your money and you got to make sure that you make right decisions. And mm-hmm. it's impossible, man. It's impossible, right? You know, I applaud parents that do that, that, that they, that is a whole new game, you know, that they, those guys like just deserve mad respect, you know, that, that hustle, but it's work. It's work. The, the, the mom that takes their kid to freaking hockey practice, three kids, like all day long, man, that's a job. That sucks. No offense, <laughs> but, but it's a lot of work, right? You know, and, and you can only do that by putting in the work and that 20 year old kid that's saying, well, how do I get good at business? Man, bro, dude. Son, whatever you want to call him, you got to put in the work, you know? I think that like, I think, I don't know, I don't have any kids, so I can't speak on this topic, but I love the concept of rewarding effort rather than rewarding, you know, like results. good grades or results because, yeah. hey, like, you know, yeah. we tend to think back towards the things that have gone well for us. We think that we made the right decision to get there and the things that didn't go well, we think we made a wrong decision. But yeah. I mean, we made a decision in the moment based on the information we had available, and it right. turned out to be a, it turned out in in hindsight to be a good thing or a bad thing, but it doesn't mean that it was a bad or good decision. And I think that like effort is one of the things that we can that we have control over, right? And if we're applying, if we're suggesting to our kids and, and rewarding them for putting in effort, that's going to translate well later in their life because they're going to just try things. They're going to work hard, and not everything will work out, but they've put in the effort and they can feel good about that. 
Yeah, and I'm, I, I come, I, and because I kind of, I'm, I'm an immigrant, you know, through the life that I've been given, I can tell you that lots of immigrants are pushed by their parents for education, you know, and and luckily my parents accepted the fact that I wasn't probably the best at that, and were like, <laughs> you know, and and it kind of grew up fast, but. I don't push that on my son. So if my son comes back with a bad report card or not so good or whatever, I just ask him just simple questions. I don't ever get mad. I don't ever get mad, man. Like I don't, I'm not, first of all, I'm not the type of guy to get mad, but um, I don't ever get mad. And if he sucks at school, <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's so I, I, that's fine with me. I mean, probably may not resonate with everybody there, but with me, it's fine because I sucked. I sucked, man. I, I, I sucked. I got like, I had negatives, dude, negatives. My behavior was a negative. My discipline was a negative. I didn't even get positive. Class average was plus seven. I was negative 14. It sucked. So <laughs> not that I'm saying to be a badass or anything, but I would just say that, man, sometimes, sometimes it's just not always what people think, you know, and you just got to, as long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, and I don't know, it'll come to you, right? It'll come to you. It'll come to that 20 year old. It'll come to us. It's definitely come to Matt. Cause I've seen him grow like crazy in the last four years. Kellen, it's come to you, man. You're quitting your job, right? You know, those are great pieces that that it'll come to you. And yeah, I think I think I think like it sucks when when children are are, are bastardized or beat down because their report card doesn't reflect who they are. But and that's happened to me. I happen to be a ton, you know. Well, that wasn't who I was. You're putting in this thing that's not me, and you're forcing me to give you a number that I can't produce. So that's why I don't ever bastardize my child for a bad grades if he does bring it. Yeah, love that. <laughs> you know? So Jumping into our fire four, we'd like to ask the same four questions of every guest, Mike. Sure. Question number one. Yes. What are you grateful for? We have it, man. It was my, it's my wife's birthday today. And yesterday we were just talking about it and we have everything that we want in this world. And, and even when we didn't, we had, we had the experiences we went through to get us here, you know? And I think that that's, that's it moving forward. Don't be lazy. But yeah, man, I'm just, I'm blessed that we, you know, we have it. And, and now that we have some, I'm, I'm working on giving as much as I can back, you know, and getting into business that may not be super profitable. And, uh, and I'll get to that at, on my secret reveal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And then on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, what are some guilty pleasures or something in life that maybe aren't productive or uh, necessarily good for you, but things that you're kind of, you know, a guilty pleasure is you can't live without? Yeah. Like food, eating. <laughs> food food eating you know and being financially free gives you the flexibility to be lazy even though i'm a huge proponent of of not being lazy and pushing and going and hustle and grind you know there are times where i am lazy and there's times where i need a good song to get me out of my groove or i need i need some motivation i need to watch something or see something or, or or like say like man you know like like whatever right you know what i mean like take the like kellen example like coaching right you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. What made you push past it and decided, man, I want to coach, right? You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. Food, food for me, it's food, man. For me, it's food, and also seeing people also hustle because it's it's a two it, like no matter it's innate human nature that I I wouldn't say jealousy because that's a really tough word, but I would say there's times I look at somebody and I'm like, man, like good for them. I, I have a, some nah, it's, jealousy is a tough word, I, Matt. You can probably clean this up because you're oh, I know what you mean though. It's so it's. It's the difference between jealousy and envy, right? It's, you know, yeah. jealousy is when you want to take something away from someone else for yourself. And envy is more, you know what, I, I, and envy is not a great trait to have, but we all have it. We see something other people have, and we also want something like that for ourselves. But not materialistic. I think that, I it's just not materialistic. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's a point that I don't want to make, you know? Yeah. And it's good to be inspired by other people. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't want to be comparing ourselves constantly, but it's, it's good to be inspired by what other people's success. Inspired. Exactly. Inspired. So, 
Yeah, man. But honestly, food and uh, and being late and being lazy when I want to be lazy. That's my two like go tos right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Question number three: Is there a frugality tip or life hack that you'd like to share with our audience? Yes, there is. No matter how much money you have, there is a win in getting a deal, right? You know, and and deals are so deals are are, are tough because they kind of they're spread out based on what you what appears to be one. But I have that in in like there are times where I just spend money or lose money. Like here's an example. Now, because you guys know my approach with putting money in the stock market, I usually have a contrarian approach. I always pick the opposite. I'm always betting for the markets to go down. And obviously, March, the markets took a bit of a hit. And I was like, I'm making some money. But I doubled up in April. And that was a bad move, man. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, being honest. (laughs) Currently, as we speak, dude, I can't even look at it. I cannot. (laughs) Because... Uh, because because this is the funniest part, man. Because for like two years, people were like hitting me up, be like, what are you guys investing? What are you? And all of a sudden I was like, man, I think I'm a freaking guru because I, I know this game so well, you know? I can <laughs> kill it. I can kill it. <laughs> and dude, I'm down like almost 50K right now on a on a 70K spread. So put 70K oh. down 50K. <laughs> oh God. What do they say? What? I know. And I'm not- reading. I'm reading. Uh, ego is the enemy right now, and I think that, that that might be a good example, right? We all come into these moments where you know mm-hmm. we feel like. I mean, hey, we talked about it earlier in the episode. We we can do anything we want. I think that's a great mentality to have, but also to maintain some sense of rationality. <laughs> like you don't yeah. want to be shorting Tesla necessarily. Oh, you know, man, I got like I got murked. But anyways, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you know it happens, right? You know, I can take a beating and move on. But yeah, you know what? It's just it's just your reminders, right? And to my reveal, my reveal will tell you what I think. Anyways, go fourth question. Shoot me, hit me. Yeah. <laughs> so our last question uh, on the fire four is: What would the hero of your own movie do in your life right now? Ah, man, I would honestly tell you right now it would be to be more active. That's kind of where I want to be. Um, there, I'm not. You are so active. You're uh, so active. My, my mind is. My mind is. There's no doubt. My mind is. But my body is not as much as I should. Look, man. There are like what I want to accomplish in this life. I don't know if I'll have my whole life to do it. And 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 that is like a. I don't know. Maybe you can help me with explaining it. But there's just not enough. People say there's not enough time. Well, we not enough time to do things for other people. But what about the visions that you have? Right? Is there enough time to do it? No, and I felt like if my body's better and my I'm and I do get tired. Sometimes I get tired and cloudy. I don't know if you guys go through this, but you do get there's days you just feel tired and lazy and don't do a whole lot, right? You know, and oh, don't want to be able to push through, right? So, right. And like, and it's not to be like done, but if the day's like crappy and soggy, and all of a sudden you wake up and it's like you wake up at 7:30 every day, and then all of a sudden you wake up at nine o'clock for one note, one reason or another, and it just puts you out that day, right? And I know we're all have that ability or that allowance to do it, but I don't want to have that. I just want to do something every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just try to accomplish, man, because people, you know, the part that really gets under my skin, and, and I've said this a few times before, is, is that people have the opportunity and, and drive to do things, but they don't just don't do it. And you guys see that in like, in, you know, in, in, in your businesses that you people can do it or want to do it, but they just don't do it. And there's nothing more frustrating than seeing people like that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to double up for them. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, these people are all not doing it. So I'm going to do it. And the more I do it, the whole the hope is that like they maybe they look at me for inspiration and then they do it, you know? That's my thing. That's my thing. And I think Matt, that's probably your thing. And now Kellen, yeah, coaching, that's probably your thing too, right? You know, I think we yeah. share that all three of us. And I think that's a really cool piece to to have, right? It's like it, that kind of shit makes me want to cry. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's something special about the moment someone and 
that maybe you've been coaching or leading or an inspiration towards when all of a sudden they realize they're in Plato's cave and there's a bigger world outside and they can actually have agency. They're actually truly in control. Life's a choose your own adventure and you can choose to get off the highway or take detours at your discretion. And it's such a powerful thing. And unfortunately, I'd say the vast majority of people never experience that in their life. No, man. And that's the, it's, it's the, it's the story that they've been told that they need to live. Right. It's, it honestly yeah. goes down to honestly. And that story also means like, I have to buy a house. I have to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Like I can't grow in this world if I don't own a house like that is like, what, why? Yeah. Ooh. It's our education, right? We're, we're education. Primarily it's focus is to teach people how to be workers and how to be employees for better or for worse. For some people, it's a great thing. You know, there are plenty of jobs that are fulfilling for people, but in general, it, it kind of closes you off. It teaches you how to color within the lines and uh, people can end up living their lives, you know, doing less than they're capable of because they haven't been taught that they're capable of more. Yeah. I want to go back quickly just to this 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 game, right? Because it's, it's kind of a game. So I think that if if you're having, and that's what I try to do, right? Like the whole thought process of one pays the other or, or that. And, and part of my personal channel that I'm, you know, trying to make your own freaking videos on a personal channel is the hardest thing in the world. Man, I don't know how the hell you do it. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> just to talk to a camera about what you want to talk about today is not an easy thing. But paying, you know, obviously have some, having something to pay for something else that, you know, having something, have your rentals pay for your lifestyle, right? And as an example, and I think if you make that as a game and somebody starting from scratch can make that as a game where they can just do something small to pay for something, that's the first step, right? And if they keep growing that concept, then then that gives them, it makes it worthwhile for them to do that. So if they can keep growing that to add to that 20-year-old question, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's a game, right? You know, because motivation is a tough one for a lot of people, man. Absolutely, and, Mike. Well, this has been an amazing conversation hey, as hey, we where, wrap where's it up. Reveal? Where's my reel? Where's my reveal? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants to know. This is what we're asking. <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you going to be getting up to? Okay, <laughs> so I am, this is the craziest thing. I mean, like, man, honestly, like, grateful and, like, gratitude is, for whatever reason so far, whatever I've touched, I pushed through, has worked, right? So I was looking for something that is going to fail. Yeah, <laughs> what a <laughs> stupid move. <laughs> Anyways, besides the, besides the stocks, is I'm opening up a restaurant, in a pandemic. Whoa. That's when you know you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> you're serving bat. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't that, isn't, I, I was like, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But honestly, man, it has been the most, I won't say the most eye opening experience, but I will say that having a restaurant, so big up to anybody that has a restaurant or worked in one or whatever. Uh, and I, I was a, I would work in the bar scene for a while when I was younger, but opening up a restaurant and I'm opening up one with a partner. So that adds another layer of things, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. a a restaurant is the most, it's the most work for the least amount of money. Yes. Like secondary to to donations and charity, but it is, you just make no money. So Mm -hmm. anyways, but what I'm opening up is I'm opening up because I love food so much, man. And I like, I just look at how much money a year I spend on eating out and it's crazy that I'm like, if I spend this much money eating out, I must know something. And it's not because I'm not the dollar amount, but it's because obviously I have experience in it because I'm always eating out. And when I go to places, I'm always giving people advice. And, and it always happens to be that most restaurant entrepreneurs are individual people. If you remove them, what happens? It collapses. So it's about, it's about teaching and making people understand that you can remove yourself from the restaurant and still be profitable, right? So I'm, I'm doing that and I'm trying to build something that works that way. So I'm opening up the largest It'll be a charcoal barbecue joint that'll have, it'll, it's authentic 
charcoal because the taste of charcoal is different than the taste of gas. It's pretty crazy, but it's going to be a, <laughs> so tasty. And I'm that's one awesome. My, one of my first meals is going to be to you guys, so you guys can judge it for yourself. <laughs> If you have a vegan option for us, I'm sure we're in. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have like veg, like veggie skewers, um, but on charcoal, it just gives it a totally different taste. So it's yeah. pretty cool, man. It's just gonna it's gonna be like it's it's a, it's basically like long like long not long format media, but it's gonna be long format food because it, it takes time to cook on charcoal. But we're gonna try to do it fast. So we're gonna awesome. pre, you know we're gonna have pre stuff, and it's just about it's everything, right? Like the restaurant business is so is so deep and so wide that every piece of it takes so much time. So a lot of time invested that I've spent in the last three and a half months doing it. And it's probably going to open up in two months because it takes five months to open up a proper restaurant, five to seven months to open up a proper restaurant. And it's new. It's new. It's exciting. And, you know, there we go. So, I love it. Only you. Only you would be opening up a restaurant right now. I, I'm pumped. If you if you get Beyond Burgers or something like that uh, or whatever you got for vegan options, I'll be down. <laughs> you know what? I went and I got Beyond Burger and I, I mixed it up and I and we kind of we made it into like a skewer and we put it on. Uh, we're we're still for, we're still formulating that and trying to make it all kind of work, right? So yeah, yeah, man. Like we're open to we're open to all criticisms. The worse, the better. <laughs> you know, and if you don't know about bad criticisms, just jump on your YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, or my YouTube channel, and there we go. You know, <laughs> that's awesome, Mike. Well, are we allowed to know the name? Yes, it's going to be called Val's. I haven't figured out, but Val's Charcoal grill or val i haven't figured it out exactly but it's it's gonna have the word charcoal in it and the first name is val so val's charcoal factory i think i think we're gonna go with val's charcoal factory i think that's where where nice we're gonna roll because it is a factory i can cook dude i can cook if if i tell you this number you'll be like wow in a 12 i'm not gonna open for 12 hours we're gonna open for for six hours because we just want to peak it sharp and we don't want to be open all day where people are like ah they're always open you know but the machine, so we engineered, we engineered two different machines that can, one can cook chicken and one can clean skewers because you got to think about the time it takes to clean skewers. It's a long process. It's not like you, you can think about it because it's got four sides, right? And you're cl- cleaning a thousand skewers a day. So we'll be able to cook, we'll be 2000 skewers and we can cook 400 chickens in a day. Yeah. That's impressive. That's a lot of food, man. I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't think we'll sell that much. I don't know how I'm going to get to sell that much, but that's my whole game. Like I'm trying to market this thing really cleanly and well and, and across the board, right. Not just be like middle Eastern or be like Indian or be, you know, or be like social LA, right. You have to kind of, because London's growing and the world's changing. So you have to kind of adapt to that and, and, and think, right. So pretty excited about it. So this machines we made, it took us, it took me about six weeks of drawings back and forth. And we had the machine built in Turkey and it just arrived last week. And it took, <laughs> almost four months to get, to get. So we're bringing in machines for this restaurant. It's not like I'm just opening a restaurant, buying used shit and putting it in there, you know? So awesome. Yeah. yeah man. So very yeah, cool. Looking forward to it. And you know, you guys will get some food and whoever's listening, if you guys make it at the end, hit me up. I'm gonna hook you up with some free food for listening. Boom. <laughs> oh, there you go. Just say, I heard, I heard you on the on fire podcast. <laughs> exactly. On the on fire podcast, guaranteed 10% off for one year for show. For show. <laughs> well thank you so much for jumping on mike we really appreciate it uh before we wrap up we like to ask our guests to ask the audience a question so do you have a question for the audience you'd like to share Ooh, that's that's interesting never had (laughs) yeah like you know what i would like to get i mean this is probably jump moving you guys from from you know a bit of a plug but i would like i would really like people to jump on my youtube channel only because i'm starting right and i want to get their opinion on how i can get better what they like what they don't like do cars make mm-hmm. a difference? So like my set it ha- is just me on a 
table kind of deal with cars in the background, right? Do, do cars make a difference? So my thought process, the theme with it is I just kind of interchange cars for different videos. Will that make a difference to you to watch it initially? I don't mean mm. watching it for a long time, but I would like to know if that makes a difference to the people watching it initially, right? Besides knowing me or whatever, or they like me for whatever yeah. I'm watching, but will that make a difference? Like if I have two cars in the background or do I have a blue screen or like, you know, like, like Matt does, right? Like a couch with you know, with a, a bit of a background, does that make a difference or does the difference of seeing cars make a difference? And I, I just, it's just more curiosity than anything else to know, does that make a difference for the viewer? So awesome. And so if they want to jump over Mike, what's the YouTube channel? Yeah. So it's just simply Mike Van Hout. So M-I-K-E-V-A-N-H-O-U-T-T. And that's like, yeah. So my first one was uh, how much I make with 20,000 subscribers. That was my first one. It was edited by me pretty brutal but hey that's you gotta start somewhere right i mean if they don't do it like that's an example it's, it's not the best editing but it's doing it right so that's awesome mike and if people want to follow along with your car channel yeah it's accelerate so a-c-c-e-l-e-r the number eight and uh yeah so we're tomorrow we're dropping a, a porsche take can or sorry it's not spelled take can like when i see that word t-a-y-c-a-n so people can say like how do you spell the word take can it's Tycon. Tycon. <laughs> it's like Taycan, man. T-A-Y-C-N. That's Taycan. No. It's Tycon, you know? <laughs> that's the Canadian pronunciation. <laughs> oh, it's, dude, you know how many megs I get for, for the word Z? Z-E-D as opposed to Z? Matt, you get it. I like can believe you. Oh, my God. <laughs> awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. Man, that's exciting that Mike's going to be jumping into this new business. Although at the same time, the restaurant business is definitely a uh, risky and challenging business. So I wish Mike all the best of luck. But if anyone can pull it off, it's definitely Mike. Yeah, Mike is a humble guy, but his history shows that his advice is worth listening to. He's seen huge success in real estate with his apartment buildings. Now with his YouTube channel, you know, coming up on a million views in the last couple of weeks. It's just crazy. So hopefully the restaurant is the next thing for him. Absolutely. And while you guys are waiting for the next episode, jump over to Facebook, join the London on Fire community and follow us on Instagram at on fire podcast. And make sure to tune in to the next episode of the on fire podcast to meet more people, hear their stories and learn from their mistakes. Reminder, guys, Noah would be awesome. A five star rating and a written review. I don't care on what platform. Please just jump over and leave us a five star rating and written review. It really helps other people discover our podcast. And thanks for listening. This is Matt and Kellen signing off. And until next episode, remember being normal. Buying stuff doesn't make you happy. And always remember what Sandeep Agrawal said. Commitment, courage, character, capacity, and craving are the five hallmarks for entrepreneurship.